All right, pad and paper alert. So we're going to give you our opening salvo on the 2020 presidential campaign. Now, this is my 11th campaign covering as a journalist. 11. And the first one was 1976. Whoa. Jimmy Carter. I talked to the governor of Georgia at the time, and that kicked it off. And I have covered every presidential race since. But nothing like this because of COVID. COVID has changed politics in America. And I'm going to get into that during the campaign. And we will bring you information you'll get nowhere else, which is why you're here. I hope. Now, there are going to be a lot of changes 99 days from now. So in 99 days, we all go to the polls to vote. Some of us will mail it in. Uh, I'm going in person. There's going to be a lot of changes. So the polling you see today is really not relevant to anything. It does give you an indicator of popularity or trends, but it doesn't mean anything. I can guarantee you the next 99 days will be turbulent in this country. Major changes are going to take place right before our eyes, which is why I'm glad you're here. And I can predict the outcome of the race probably by Halloween. Remember last time Hillary versus Trump? Five days out, I predicted the winner. When all the other polls, except for Rasmussen, had Hillary win. I knew Donald Trump was going to win. I think I'll be able to give you that on Halloween. And that's fitting, right? Um, Now, let's start with Donald Trump. Let's evaluate him, where we are right now. Again, this is going to change, but here's where we are right now. So his strength is the economy. He is a free market capitalist. He has... Um, knocked out a lot of government regulations put into place by Barack Obama, who was not really a free market capitalist. He was an income redistributor, President Obama. Uh, Trump has no interest in that, none. He wants a robust economy that brings as much money into the American family as possible on all lines. And he was successful, all right, to do that. Um, The Democrats will say, well, it was uh, set up by Barack Obama, that's bull. It was the tax cut for corporations that spurred on the Trump economy for three years. Then COVID hit and everything blew up. That has made Donald Trump very angry and frustrated that this virus comes out of China and wipes out the U.S. economy. However, if you really step back and look, the stock market is held, and that is a very powerful indicator. All right. But there are millions of Americans out of work. And the government is paying trillions of dollars to prop up people so they don't go under. That is all bad. Now, the perception of America in the world, all right, is also due to Donald Trump. So it's a factor in this election. Not a big factor. The economy and COVID, they're the two biggest. In the world, Donald Trump is not hated. All right? He's a much different guy in private negotiations than he is in public. So we saw that with the president of Mexico comes up here. Trump charmed him. All right. Trump has a good relationship or had a good relationship with the president of China. Now it's not good because of COVID. Putin and Trump, you know, Putin uses Trump. Trump wants to make a deal with Putin. I don't think it's ever going to happen. In the first interview that I did with Donald Trump after he was elected president, I told him Putin was a bad guy. 
You know, Trump didn't believe me, but he is. So I don't think he's ever going to get, Donald Trump's ever going to get anything out of Putin, and Putin will continue to put the screws to the USA. But overall, American perception abroad is fairly good, despite what the press says. The leaders understand that they have benefited from the American economy. In Afghanistan, Donald Trump wants to pull the troops. You know, look, if it were me, I'd do the same thing. How, how what do you think, 20 years in there? 20 years? The Afghans going to have to take care of it. And if the uh, ISIS goes back or Al-Qaeda, then we'll drone them. We'll blow them up in the air. But we got to get out of there. So Trump's instincts there are right. Um, so all in all, if it were me and I'm a historian, I think Donald Trump did a lot better job overseas than Barack Obama. Okay? The Iranians fear him. Um... ISIS has been crippled. Al-Qaeda has been crippled. So I'm okay with uh, the Trump foreign policy. Demeanor. Now, here is where Donald Trump gets crushed. Those of us who know him know what he, why he does what he does. If you read the United States of Trump, I explain it across the board. But most people don't take the time. They look at the president of the United States as the leader, and they want good things to happen. Well, good things aren't happening now because of COVID. And Trump's demeanor during the COVID was first dismissive. We'll get out of this. Not that big a deal. Then optimistic. And now it's realistic. But it took him from February to late July to get realistic. That's a deficit. Now, there's a million excuses. And again, I probably would have said made the same mistake because you don't want to tank the stock market and the economy. I probably would have done the same thing and been optimistic about defeating COVID. But COVID is brutal. And now we have to acknowledge the brutality of it. I am still optimistic we'll get a vaccine, a medicine to fight it. I can't. I'm, this is just a hope. But, but I know the people who are working on it. And we'll, we'll tell you some uh, specifics later on the program. Now, the demeanor of confrontation, which is what Donald Trump is, uh, women. Mm-hmm. This is the big problem for Donald Trump. Donald Trump will win men. American men will vote for him more than Biden. Uh, but women broke 54-42 for Hillary. Could be 65-35 this time around, which would sink Mr. Trump. If women break big for the Democratic Party, it's all over. So he's got to get women back to looking at him as an effective leader. Not going to be easy. Many American women are fearful of the virus, very afraid for their families or parents and all of that. Men are afraid, too, but they don't demonstrate it as much as women. Um, Donald Trump's strategy has to be to explain to American women voters, what's going to happen if Joe Biden's elected president. And I will do that in in a moment. So Donald Trump's running against Donald Trump, not Joe Biden in many cases. So there are a lot of people who say, I don't like Biden, but I don't want Trump. He's got to change that. And he could. He could. If the fear tamps down. The main issues that Donald Trump will bring to the campaign trail will be, look at this radical left disorder. Look at these people. 
Look at the Black Lives Matter Global Foundation. Look what they're doing, sowing division, disrespecting the flag, calling George Washington and Thomas Jefferson terrible names. That's big. Most Americans don't like that. Second thing is how Donald Trump has rebuilt the military, okay, which is important, obviously. Is that going to resonate? I'm not sure. And the third is energy. The United States now is an exporter of energy, all right? We make lots of money selling gas, oil, natural gas to countries abroad. That has really helped the economy and the job market. Democrats have destroyed that whole thing. No doubt. Okay, so let's go to, let's sum up, let's sum up uh, Donald Trump. Demeanor problem. Now, again, I know you're going to write me and go, oh, no, I love his demeanor. He has to confront his enemy. Yes, yes, yes. All right. I know. I know. But people on the fence, not pro-Trumpers, all right, they get put off a little bit. So he's got to kind of be more what they call presidential. That means more authoritative but he's got to show kindness. Get a little softer. Get that woman vote. Um, Joe Biden. He is a figurehead, not an active candidate. He turned down an interview with Chris Wallace, and Wallace hammered him on his program over the weekend. But Joe Biden's not going to put himself into any position where he's going to be challenged. He doesn't have to. Democratic Party thinks Trump has alienated so many people, has alienated so many people, that Biden doesn't have to even campaign, all right? But there will be three debates. And if Joe gets pounded, and we'll, when debates come, we'll, we'll tell you all about him. If Biden gets hammered in the debates, all right, Trump wins. But Biden can hold his own on occasion. If you remember the last Democratic debate, Biden was there. He was alert. All right, they went after him. He held his own. Now, um, Joe Biden had a very interesting career. He's been in the Senate since 1972. Can you imagine that? 1972. Um, 48 years. But you have to take the eight years that he was vice president out, but he's been in Washington, position of power. Okay. 29 years old, he was the fifth youngest senator in history. He was elected from Delaware. All right. In 1972, the year he was elected, his daughter and wife were killed in a car accident. Boy, tough one. So Joe Biden has had a life of uh, ups and downs, no doubt about it. The thing that bothers me personally about Biden is that he changes core beliefs. Whenever somebody does that, I need an explanation. So abortion, for example. I mean, that's a pretty tough one to change on. All right, so when Roe v. Wade was passed in 1973, Joe Biden, as a senator, said it had gone, quote, too far. Roe v. Wade, too far. But now, all right, Joe Biden is the big abortion guy, and he wants me to pay for abortions, even though I'm a Roman Catholic. All right, he wants the Hyde Amendment to be rescinded that protects people of faith from paying for abortion. He doesn't want that anymore, and he's Catholic. So how do you go from Roe v. Wade was too far to... I want you, O'Reilly, to pay for abortions. I don't know how you get there. I don't know how you get there. Crime, 77, Joe Biden pushed for mandatory minimum sentences for for crimes. So you do this, you get that. You do this, you get that. Okay? Tough guy. Tough anti-crime guy, 1977. Now, 
Biden doesn't want cash bail. What? How do you go from mandatory minimum sentences to don't want cash bail? How do you get there? It's crazy. Okay? China. Back then, China was his friend. Now, his son made a lot of money from China, so maybe that had something to do with it. And I'm not being cynical or a wise guy. I don't know. But Biden was going, hey, they're good guys. They're good guys. China, got to work with them. Now, now, quote, we are in competition with China. We need to get tough with China. They're a serious challenge. And every single step that Donald Trump is taking, only exacerbating the challenge. Gobbledygook, but, you know, now he's not tough. So you can go back. I give you 10 more. That Joe Biden doesn't have any core values. You know, his value is I want to win. I want to be president. I'll say what I have to say. The problem with that is that about 25% of his party are radical leftists who want socialism. They want to do away with the capitalistic system. And um, he's not going to control those people. I mean, look at Bernie Sanders. You can't get more radical than Bernie Sanders. All right. He would have us in the Cuba system. That's what we'd have. But um, Biden, he likes Bernie. I think the compromise that we came up with Bernie Sanders um, is excellent. OK, I express my gratitude toward Bernie for working together to unite our party. And Bernie Sanders says, quote, I think the compromise we came up with will make Biden the most progressive president since FDR. All right. Power to the people right on. So you can expect a massive amount of changes in our capitalistic system. Let me give you specifics. Biden's going to raise corporate tax. The one thing that stimulated our economy, he's going to raise it. He's going to raise tax on me and every other successful American. He's going to raise the capital gains tax to a very high level, double it. It's going to wipe the stock market right out. I'm not buying stocks. Why would I pay 50% on any gain I have in the stock market, which is risky? I'm not going to do that. All right? Nobody else is going to do it. Stock market. Boom. Okay. Um, Corporations are going to move assets back overseas. Remember, Trump grabbed them, said you got to move them back to America, which many of them did because they got a tax holiday for doing it. Now they're going back overseas where they're not going to be taxed as much. Um, affluent people will leave the country. Nations like Uruguay already telling Americans, come on down here, you got 100 grand, you buy an apartment, we'll give you citizenship, and nobody will touch your, your money. You got to renounce U.S. citizenship, or the IRS will get you, but a lot of people will, particularly if a wealth tax is proposed, and Bernie Sanders wants a wealth tax. That's confiscation of private property. That's confiscating private property. All right, that's what it is. Now, it's unconstitutional, and I think the Supreme Court would rule it that way, but you're going to go through a big thing to get there. But the most important thing is energy, all right? So a Biden administration wipe out oil, gas, fracking, natural gas, all that's gone. All those jobs are lost because of the Green New Deal. And we'll have windmills and solar panels. Let me give you break this to you. China and India aren't putting windmills in. All right. So no matter what we do, they're not going to do it. So what good is it? We destroy our whole energy industry here. And that's exactly what will happen. And the federal government will take 
$10 trillion tax dollars and invested in windmills, $10 trillion, which will then raise the debt to $40 trillion, which we can't pay back. Then the U.S. dollar, the currency of the world, starts to go like this. And all your savings, all your IRAs, all your uh, retirement, your college fund, everything starts to go like this. You can't owe $40 trillion. This is what's going to happen if the Democrats win the House, the Senate, and the presidency. Because they say it. They say it. They're not deceiving us. So what are we going to do? Okay. Now, as far as foreign policy is concerned, it goes back to the Obama foreign policy. We're one nation among many. We're not exceptional. We don't lead. We follow. Okay. Uh, 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 uh. Immigration. Open borders. Absolutely, Biden was not going to beef up the border. Not going to do it. All right? People who come in, pour in. Even though... You say, well, why would they pour in with high taxes? They don't have to pay the high taxes. It's only people earning more than 75K that'll pay the high taxes. But below 75K, they're not going to pay any tax. Okay, sanctuary cities, fine. Amnesty for all the illegal aliens here. That could be between 15 and 20 million. And fast track to vote. Once 20 million new foreign nationals get to vote, one party state. Republicans never have a chance again. That's the ultimate goal of the massive immigration funded by George Soros and the radical left. Okay? Biden not going to stand away of that. Nope. Even though he was for the wall in his previous senatorial career. Wanted it. Not now. Let's get them all in. Give them the right to vote. Then we won't have a Republican party anymore. Just like in California and New York State. All right, so traditional America disappears off the planet, never to be found again. So the things that made us strong, all right, the things that made us noble, gone. Race relations, minority groups will get all kinds of government largesse, all right? They will be the favorite sons and daughters, no doubt about it. Black Lives Matter, they'll have their own cabinet position. Those Marxist ladies will be all over the White House. Now, you think I'm exaggerating? I'm not. I'm not. Because they say it. I'm not exaggerating at all. So for the first time in my career that spans 46 years, I can't keep an open mind about Joe Biden and the Democratic Party. I can't vote for them. I can't. Because I don't want traditional America to vanish, to be destroyed, to be demolished. And they'll do it. And people say, well, when when he gets elected, he won't be. No, he's not in charge. He's not calling the shots. He'll do what he's told. So I'm being blatantly honest with you. But I can cover fairly the campaign, and I will. I'm not going to cheap shot Joe Biden. I'm not going to spread rumor and innuendo about him. I'm not going to take things out of context. I'll make fun of him, but I'm going to make fun of Trump, too. That's what I do. 
I'll report honestly every single day for the next 99 days what happens. I will do that. But you should know, because I'm an honest guy, that I could not possibly vote for any Democrat this time around. No one. Because that's the party that wants to destroy traditional America. That's it. That's kicking off our election coverage. It's as honest as I can be and as fact-based as I can be. Let's bring in our pal, Mark Penn. He's coming to us from Washington, D.C. He is a president of the Stagwell Group, a private firm that does marketing and uh, analysis of politics. Mr. Penn, how are you? I'm the same, which is tragic for everyone involved. Um, I, you, you gave us a poll. You were kind enough to give us a poll that hasn't been released yet or, or maybe seconds ago. Um, I, your participation in this poll was to gather the data. Is that what you did here, Mark? Well, uh, you know, I'm chairman of the Harris poll. So a month now for years, I guess three years, we've been conducting a monthly um, Harvard Center for American Political Studies and Harris poll. And it pretty much goes through the American public's attitudes each month and uh, has tracked them for years now. Okay, so I want to go one by one what you found out. Um, the methodology is 37% Democrat, 32% Republican, 28% independent. Let me just ask you one question. When they say independent, do you go left-leaning or right-leaning? Do you do that kind of thing, or is it just independent? No, I, I, I keep it. In, they say independent. I let them lean Democrat, lean Republican, and but but I keep them. Uh, I don't uh, I don't segment them out as independents. All right. In this twenty eight percent, do you have any idea how many lean Republican and lean Democrat in this poll? No. Okay. No, because it changes. That that's the whole nature of American politics. Okay. I, I'm just you know you know me. I'm a simple man, and I have uh, very simple questions. All right. So the first one I want to uh, uh, ask you about is the country on the right track or wrong track? Wrong track, 65%. All right, right track, 27%, an all-time low for the Harvard-Harris poll. Now, I assume this is COVID-based, most of this? Yeah, well, as you can see, although the, the, the country has believed that the country is on the wrong track for a long time now. But, but as you can see, there was a severe kind of jump up after, you know, given what's going on with the virus, which which makes sense. I mean, the economy was great. Even, even when things were good, most people still said that, that they weren't sure about the direction of the country, as opposed to the economy, where, in fact, they had been almost ecstatic. And, and I really got some of the, the highest ratings of the economy until, of course, now where those nosedive. Yeah. No question about that. I blame the media for a lot of the uh, disenchantment in the country, but I just make Second question, favorable or unfavorable opinion of the police? Favorable, 67%. Unfavorable, 25%. Now, I'm not surprised at that number. Are you? No, I, I think the military is about 81%. But what's interesting to me is last month, we started to put that question in last month, and it was 60% favorable to the police. So the police actually went up seven points wow. in the last month. Wow. Black Lives Matter. Now, again, this is the slogan versus the organization. You don't break that out. 
you just put Black Lives Matter, favorable, 51%, unfavorable, 38%. I would have preferred, with all due respect, um, that you say Black Lives Matter slogan or Black Lives Matter organization, although I understand that most people don't know the difference. Um, so favorable, Black Lives Matter, 51, unfavorable, 38. What does that tell you? Well, uh, also, the month before it was 55% favorable, so they were actually down four. But it tells me <clears throat> that uh, and the American public supports Black Lives Matter as a, as a, as a, as you say, not necessarily the organization, uh, but they, they do believe that there has been a, a lot of discrimination. And second, they also support the police. In fact, they support both Black Lives Matter and the police more than they support the Democrats, the Republicans, or President Trump. Okay, and that's easy to do. Uh, the police, I believe, uh, the 80,000 law enforcement officers in America are largely noble. And Black Lives Matter, as I said earlier, certainly is a phrase that we can all agree is noble. Okay, next question. If the election for president were held today, who would you vote for? Biden 55, Trump 45. And that's pretty much the prevailing wisdom, correct? Yes, I, I think that, um, I think I phrased this as it's the virus stupid pretty much yeah. because the, the president uh, had a 51% rating on the virus two or three months ago, and that dropped to 41% as the virus reemerged and he stopped the briefings. And that then really, I think, is almost exactly corresponding to how that horse race is coming out. So I do think that, that this all right now is hinging not surprisingly on all these other issues, but it is... If you think about it, everybody's life is affected by the virus. Absolutely, so particularly women. Surprise. Our analysis that women are, are very, very frightened about this. And since Trump lost women last time, 54-42, he's behind even more. But if there's a vaccine next week or the week after or September 10th, uh, the race changes, in my opinion. Do you agree with that? Well, yeah, because, because the president was doing better, much better, two or three months ago. And so yeah. it, it's easier for voters to do what I call snap back, which is if I previously supported somebody, if they then come back to the kind of performance that I supported, I can snap back. So that's why I would never say this race is over. <clears throat> I would say that uh, right now it seems to be correlated to uh, in, uh, in satisfaction with handling the virus. Yep. And that could, I agree could change 100%. a... Uh, now, the, the vaccine the, announcement would be a major shock. Sure. Um, and the debates, uh, the debates are going to be big this year, particularly for Joe Biden. If he does not do well in those debates, um, everything's going to change as well, in my opinion, my humble opinion. OK, next question. How concerned are you that crime is increasing in American cities? Concerned 77, not concerned 24. Um, obviously, crime is shot up. Once the protests, the violent protests began, as the criminals use the protest shield to commit carnage, is that the way you see it? Well, in in, in a follow up, maybe you're going to read that next. We asked people, "Why do you think violence increase?" and and they gave the protests as answer number one, followed by increased unemployment as answer number two. So I don't know that I can draw all of the statements that you made, other than report to you that that as the follow-up question, why, that is what they answered. 
Um, yeah, but I, I, I mean, I think it's the protests that really lit the fuse here. Uh, final question, who do you think will do a better job at curbing violence in the cities, Biden or Trump? Biden 54, Trump 46. Now, Trump is the law and order guy. Biden has not said very much. Why is he ahead? Well, remember, Biden's getting 55. So anything that he gets below 55 for is actually a slight weakness compared to a strength when you when you analyze polls. Remember, that's not necessarily the group that is most concerned about the virus. And by the way, we did have a series of questions about whether prosecutors were prosecuting people and whether that they thought they should be prosecuted, which people said they should be prosecuted if they tear down a statue, but they're not being prosecuted. So, but the answer to your question is that if it's below the horse race, it's actually not helping Biden. And uh, I think in terms of uh, a the general notion, though, is that they're they're not looking just for strength. They're looking for some combination of strength and conciliation. Between now and Election Day, like in 97 days, you're going to have what? Every week you're going to have some surveys and, and a look at the nation? Uh, every, every month. We, we every go back month. every month. We're definitely going to have we're going to have uh, that's July. We're going to have August. We're going to have September, October. I mean, that's how long it takes for, I yeah. think, American yeah. opinion to. Joe. All right. Well, I hope you will share your uh, findings with us. And we really appreciate it, Mark. Thanks very much. Okay, let's go to a Gallup poll. Now, remember, we started the program with the Gallup poll. It didn't mean anything uh, because it was really a survey of 35,000 people who called in or clicked into Gallup. How they even knew, I don't know. Uh, But it wasn't, you know, scientific. This one is. All right. So this one asks about whether you're conservative, liberal or independent. And it polled, let's see, do we have, uh, no, we don't have any methodology here, but this was done on telephone calls. So that means that the elderly were involved. You're going to pick up the telephone, you want to answer Gallup's questions, you can. So, um, the latest question was, what is your ideology? This is May-June. Conservative, 36% of Americans. Moderate, 36%. Liberal, 26%. But that is a four-point rise for liberal and a four-point drop for conservatives since January and February. And again, is that virus-related? I don't know. Um, But when you have a largely uh, militant liberal media, you're going to see that. But conservatives still more than liberals by 10 points. So there's a new book out called Defender in Chief, Donald Trump's Battles for Presidential Power. Okay, just came out yesterday. The author of the book is John Yoo. You may remember him. He is a uh, currently a law professor at the University of California, Berkeley, the most radical college campus in the country. And he previously served as deputy assistant U.S. Attorney General in the Office of Legal Counsel under George W. Bush. First of all, when you saw Barr yesterday, I mean, you know the Justice Department as well as anybody, uh, Professor. Um, What was your reaction to the way he was treated by the Democrats on the Judiciary Committee? I thought it was disgraceful. In fact, it reminded me, sadly, of these fake baseball games we're watching where they put cutouts of the fans up in the stands because the way Barr was treated, they could have just had a cutout 
of the attorney general there. They didn't really ask him any questions no. that they wanted to hear answers to. They were using him as a prop for campaign c commercials and set speeches. I thought it was uh, terrible, and I thought Barr did a good job. I thought America saw someone who was patient, well-prepared, and I thought gave good answers when he was allowed to speak at all. You weren't surprised at this exposition, I'm sure. Barr himself knew that he was going to get in there, and Nadler and uh, the others were going to try to embarrass him. Um, and I don't know if that's really what the House of Representatives should be doing. Well, I used to be a Senate staffer myself, and I was disappointed. I was surprised. I had seen yeah. a hearing that was that extreme before. Usually, especially when it's a cabinet officer, when it's attorney general of the United States, you may ask tough questions. You might give a little bit of histrionics. But you still give the attorney general the chance to answer the questions. That's the whole point of the hearing is not to give a forum for people just to give campaign speeches. It's actually there so that you can learn some information about what's going on in Portland or at the Justice Department. Sure. And I mean, there's a lot of things the Justice Department is uh, involved with right now. And information is what the American people need. Um, a lot of people around Donald Trump have turned on him. Um, and... A lot of Republicans like Mitt Romney and John Kasich despise the president. But you have remained loyal to him, whereas your former boss, all right, President Bush the Younger, he doesn't have any use for Donald Trump. Why have you remained a supporter of Mr. Trump? Actually, I wouldn't even say I've remained loyal. I started out four years ago a little bit wary of Donald Trump because he's a populist and populists often want to escape the restrictions on their powers because they want to achieve their popular goals. But what I found over the last three or four years is I've come more and more steadily closer to the president's views because I found, and it's very much what you said about Portland, very much what you said about these hearings. It's his critics who his opponents who want to overthrow the constitution, overthrow our political traditions and the way we've run the country for the last two centuries. And I found that even though he's a populist, Trump became an unexpected defender of the Constitution. He's the one who's saying, of course, we can send federal law enforcement into our cities to protect federal property, federal personnel. After all, that's what Fort Sumter and the Civil War's outbreak were about. That's what President Lincoln had said. Sure, at insurrection. The start of the Civil War. Right. Now, you are a minority, Mr. Yu. And you are extremely successful, all right? What do you think when you hear the Black Lives Matter movement, whatever that may be, all right, say this is a racist country, that African-Americans are persecuted by authorities? What do you think when you hear that? I don't think America is a systematically racist country I think it's a country that's worked harder than any other one I can think of to live up to the promise of the Declaration of Independence. It's a country where 600,000 Americans died in the Civil War to redeem the promise of the Declaration of Independence and to end slavery. It's a country where for decade after decade, it tries to get better, it tries to become perfect. It knows it never can, nothing human ever can become perfect, but we have constantly tried to do so. And President Trump, I think, unfortunately, is attacked unfairly on this score. I think he has actually produced an economy, as you started out saying, that have produced historic levels of employment amongst blacks and amongst the poor and amongst Hispanics, and he gets no credit for that. Uh, so I think I reject this idea that 
the nation is systematically racist and structured in a way to discriminate against minorities. Now, you are in the belly of the beast in Berkeley, California. You teach law at the University of California. You are certainly in a minority on your faculty. Are you, do you have a problem out there on that campus? Do you believe that your freedoms, speech, expression, are being violated out there? I have to say, I actually like the company of liberals. Maybe it's not good for me. Maybe I'm a country. Maybe I like, like you, Bill. I like to argue with people. I bet you like being around liberals too. But I do worry at what I see happening on our campuses. I do see the emergence of this kind of intellectual orthodoxy, which is steadily canceling speakers, canceling classes, trying to drive out professors who have conservative views or just unorthodox views. That's not the way universities work. They only work if all ideas can f get out there, fight against each other, and the best ideas win. So that's what's made American colleges and universities the best ones in the world. But I worry if we keep at this in the same direction we've been going, we're going to fall behind our competitors in Asia and Europe. Well, we're also going to fall behind in our freedom capacities, because now all of our freedoms are in danger with the cancel culture. Final question for you. And I'm sure you've thought about this because you're a man uh, of thought. Uh, by the way, uh, Mr. Yu's book, Defender in Chief, is a very, very relevant study of what the Constitution really says. So if you want to understand what our country's really about, then this book is a must, Defender in Chief. Do you know, Professor, what is driving this incredible hatred toward our country on the part of the Black Lives Matter movement and the anarchists that we're seeing in the cities? What's driving that? Unfortunately, I think you could say this is the college campus is now coming to the rest of the country. These are ideas that have been fomented in our universities for the last 20, 30, 40 years, but people I don't think took them seriously because they never thought they would be put into practice. And I think what's, what's behind this is power. It's the idea that certain classes of people should just make any arguments necessary to try to seize power. That doesn't mean anyone's, as you said, no one's approving of police brutality. No one wants George Floyd's of the world killed. And there are systems and methods for investigating and punishing those responsible. But I think broader arguments to say that the police are all inherently racist, that the government is inherently racist, I don't think that's true. So what's really behind it is just an effort by people who are out of power to try to take over. And I think it's really, as you point, I think a lot of the inspiration from it comes from failed Marxist ideas, which have failed every time they've been put into place. You look at countries where Marxism took over, tens of millions of people have been killed by their own governments. That's the last thing I think we want in the United States. All right, Professor, we really appreciate you taking the time. Good luck with the book. Again, it is Defender in Chief by John Yu. We'll talk soon. Um, and on the subject of the police, here's a little payback. So 100 police agencies have told the Democratic National Committee they're not going to help out at the DNC convention. 100. Why do you think that is? All right, here's the final thought of the day. Five more weeks of summer. You know, when I was a kid, because my birthday is in early September, I hated my birthday 
because it coincided with going back to school. And of course, I never wanted to go back to school. And August was a bad month because it was a month before you had to go back to school in New York. So five more weeks of summer. And I got a lot of friends, you know, they were going to go on trips and I got to get out to California. I mean, I got to get out there. I don't know when I'm going to do that, but I got so many things I got to do in California. Um, so how do you make the most out of the five weeks? First of all, you got a car, gas is cheap. So you look at a map around maybe 200, 300 miles of where you are, someplace that you haven't been. You know, I send people up to the Adirondacks in New York State. Places up there need to help. Beautiful this time of year. Lakes and mountains, hiking, you know, good food. You just drive it. And you're there. No COVID in the Adirondacks. I don't think it's allowed. Governor Cuomo banned it. Um, or you go uh, to northern New England, okay, to, to Maine, the Maine coast. I, I know there's a shark out there, but you don't want what is too cold anyway. <laughs> you can swim to a lake or you this and that. Anywhere around where you are, all right? And uh, you throw the urchins in there or you take your parents, your old elderly parents or whatever you may do. But do something. You've got five weeks. Do something fun. Plan it out. This is a time where you can get reservations. You can, yeah, you can do what you want. But just don't sit there and moan. All right? Summer is a great season. All right? I'm taking advantage. Uh, this weekend, I'm in the ocean almost all the time. And if the sharks want to tussle, I'm ready. I'm ready for them. Um, there's no sharks where I am because the water is so turbulent. And you got to know what you're doing in there. You're going to wind up in Portugal. Um, but anyway, my final thought of the day is I want you to enjoy the last five weeks of summer. But you got a plan. Thank you for watching. We'll see you soon.